All right. You're right. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I don't even know what episode we're up to now, but I just sort of thrown you under the bus and started Slightly. recording. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I do it to everyone. Um, episode number, I think it's season 318. We have Jess Roberts. This is a special UK edition. That's why I started off with you all right. Because uh, that's what they say here. But um, a long time coming this podcast because Jess has done the AWPT mentorship back this time last year you started. Yeah. Yep, and then um, and then you've opened up your own gym. A lot has happened in that six months because I remember we got on our call and you were like, yep, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start up my own gym and I'm like, you're going to do this and you're going to do a mentorship. Uh, uh, yeah. But you, <laughs> you did it. She's a manifesto. So. That was what, exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> so she just jumps all in. But... Um, super excited to chat with Jess today because she is an osteopath by trade, but she has a very unique, um, I'm not going to say unique because it's going to, it's coming, becoming more common, which I'm definitely so, so glad and so grateful, um, to be speaking to Jess today about this. Um, but osteopath by trade, however, has opened up a performance facility and helps people through exercise which is key so i wanted to have a chat uh to you today jess about you know a little bit about your background how you got into osteo and then how you decided to shape your uh business and your business model around exercise rehab and also i guess your take on um you know your background influences through your own exercise journey that has brought you to um, to open a business like this. So welcome. Thank you. Thank that's, you for having me. That's a lot that we're going to cover today. But um, yeah, so tell us, I guess, first of all, how you got into health and fitness and then, you know, what led you to wanting to become an osteo? Um, so I didn't want to do this as a kid at all. I wanted to be an architect oh, wow. when, um, when I was at school. Um, but when... When I left school, I became a dental nurse and I was on my feet a lot and I ended up having um, a lot of pain just from standing around all day and walking and, and all these things. And I, was, I remember thinking, like, I'm 18, why am I in pain? This is ridiculous. And I didn't really understand it. I remember going to doctors and I had mixed sort of level of support or feedback or whatever. And majority of it was, well people stand all day you just need to kind of get on with it Mm. but I ended up having a referral and I remember getting told that I would I had an accessory navicular syndrome and I remember thinking oh this was I was 18 and I was I was like I was terrified yeah I remember thinking what what's a syndrome what's a navicular what's What's an accessory (laughs) I had no idea what was sort of going on yeah um and I was still like learning dental nursing that's, I was still an apprentice at this point. So I was not in this field whatsoever. Um, and I was given two options of, like, f- change my entire life to enable me to not be in pain mm-hmm. or have surgery. They were the options that I was given. Really? And the surgery involved, like, cutting my foot open, detaching a tendon, removing part of a bone and reattaching a tendon. So 
this was this and they told me I'd be out of action I wouldn't be able to walk for six months just I was told that that was it and I was like well I'm 18 I don't really want to have a boot and not be able to walk for six months so no I don't like that so I ended up um going the other route so I was diagnosed with orthotics or diagnosed I was given. I was gonna ask you like how did they diagnose this because also like syndrome sounds scary as well like I know I mean, well, syndrome we now know is um, symptoms, symptoms yeah. of yeah. it. Like it's a collection of symptoms to do with an extra navicular bone. Yeah. Like it meant now to me, I'm like, well, that's not that scary. Yeah. But back then, it was like the end of my world. Yeah. So to those listening, navicular is it's n- a, a, it's a bone. A bone. <laughs> yeah, in your foot. <laughs> we all have them. Yeah. They are meant to slightly move. Yeah. Mine moves a little bit more. Um. But yeah, so I was given orthotics and I was told I'd have to wear all these orthotics for the rest of my life to not be in pain. And I was never allowed to wear like pretty dainty shoes. And I was, I liked going out. I liked wearing heels. I liked wearing sort of sandals. I liked being barefoot. I grew up by a seaside. So like, I'm not gonna, that distraught me. Yeah. And I remember the, the girl that was ser- serving me, the girl that was, doing the, the the orthotics for me she was wearing these like big doc martins hmm. and all that and I, I like i love a good pair i've got two pairs at home i do love them but there's a time and a place yeah and yeah so i wasn't very happy with that and then the then they gave me physio and their physio was ultrasound like underneath my foot for half an hour oh yeah once a week yeah. and that was it never given an exercise good old ultrasound. never good given old anything oh my word <laughs> But to me, that's that's like my introduction to that world or this world that we're in. Yes. Um, and I remember thinking, this surely, surely this this isn't okay. This isn't enough. And I started. Um, I I st- went to a different practice for multiple reasons. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a gym up the road, and I ended up going to this gym, and I started with a PT there, and I literally thank her for like starting my steps forward. Mm. Um, she is, she was so empowering and she was, she was like the first woman that I'd seen with like muscle. Yeah. If that makes sense. And like I'd grown up being taught Karina Howe. Karina, shout out if you're listening. (laughs) Honestly, she's amazing. Um, this is the impact. This is great because this is the impact. Like, you know, there's a lot of coaches listening to this as well. This is the impact you can have on someone's life as a coach 100% 100% and I think every time every time like I have a a hard time with a client now I end up thinking but I could be making that much of a difference yeah and not necessarily like like a career change or anything like that but she gave me an option to not be in pain so she was she was getting me squatting deadlifting Mm. benching and it felt amazing I felt powerful again I'd I'd felt like a lot of my power had been taken away from me and being in very toxic environments like outside of health and fitness Mm -hmm. loads of bullying at school loads of bullying at workplace all of that sort of stuff so I'd felt like all my power Mm. and my authentic self had just disappeared and like I'm only just really scratching the surface of really like, uncovering that like we even said today yeah. like me this time last year I'm a completely different person which Fuck I'm yeah, fucking loving fun. it I love that oh my god <laughs> um here for it but yeah and I ended up working with her for a while I was an apprentice I was on like two pound fifty an hour so I there wasn't I couldn't afford her for a long time so I ended up 
kind of exploring the world of health and fitness, YouTube was like today's Instagram. And I was obsessed. I would just go and search all the stuff that I could learn and learn and learn. And then I, I worked in a dental practice that was next to an osteopath. And I ended up just started talking to them because I remember thinking, oh, like, I love the anatomy. I love learning more about like the head anatomy the and understanding it. Like the more, even at, uh, we used to do a lot of surgeries and stuff at dent- in the practice I worked at. And I loved like getting, getting right in it. I didn't like all like the aesthetic stuff of impressions and crowns. And I thought that was so boring. But as soon yeah. as we got a scalpel out and we were burnt, like getting everything in, I loved it. So end up thinking, huh, how, how about if I learn more anatomy, but like of the whole body <laughs> rather than just the head. <laughs> yeah. And I'd like, sadly, the experience I'd had of a physio was quite poor. Mm. So I thought, oh, okay, like that must be the only way that the physios ever work. So I'm like, writing that off. Yeah. And I grew up with thinking that it was so hard to get, phys- to get into physio. Mm. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll find something slightly not as well known. Um, Ended up having a conversation with an osteopath. I was like, oh, sounds quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And went for an interview on my birthday. And so I was like, oh, this must be a sign. Yeah. Must be a sign. <laughs> and I love yeah. The universe. <laughs> it must have been. Um, but yeah, I got it. And I, well, I'm going to be honest, I thought it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Best thing I've ever done in some ways. Yeah. Um, but I didn't fully enjoy it until mid to end of the fourth year and it was a five-year degree so I was in the first four years of having constant like ego deaths of Mm. not really understanding complete uh, thinking I couldn't do it I I almost quit I threatened to quit about five times a semester um (laughs) it was ridiculous but yeah I powered through powered through I was like I've signed up now I don't really have to want to pay this back (laughs) I guess what what caused that switch like what caused you to go oh well actually I enjoy this now four and a half years in I think in the first few first years like you're it's all anatomy and you're surrounded by people that have so much they're so academic or they've been in it so they're personal trainers they're physiotherapists they're acupuncturists they're paramedics they're people that have been or sports massage therapists that have been in that world before so as soon as they wanted to talk to talk to me about the head and neck I was like yeah I've got this Mm. but anything else I'm like "Uh, no I have no idea and so I felt really it felt really hard yeah um and I think that in the first few years they're teaching you so much and you're having to it's like a monkey see monkey do you don't really have a voice Mm. or you don't really you're not really allowed a thought process yes that's university though yeah a hundred percent on the podcast before as well like it's like this is how it's done and like we that's it yeah it's not how to think it's like how to do it kind Mm. of thing how to follow the rules because it's not even practical really it's like the theory behind everything 100 percent. and like we got taught i remember like a lecturer taught me and i believed it because your lecturer teaches it's like if your parents teach you something you're gonna believe it because it's the authority Mm. We got taught at, at one in one whole year. We were taught that you could put bones back into place. Yeah, I was taught that. Yeah, and then really, it was just mental. Yeah. It was crazy. And then I remember, in the f- like the final year and a half, you then got to choose which days you were going in. So I then chose which lecturers I wanted to 
surround myself with. Mm. And they were the people, they were like the innovators. They were the people that said, mm, no, you can't put the SIJ back in. Yeah. And they would have full on arguments and they would argue and argue to the cows come home um, about that you can't do that. Go on against Show the me the brain. evidence. Yeah. Show me the evidence. And and you'd have you'd have so many people complain about them. And I absolutely loved it. I was like, I love that they're they're doing the thing that's not been done. Yeah. They're challenging the status quo. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's what enabled me to start to think and feel and um, that I could think for myself. Yeah. And didn't just be like, Oh, well this person's got um a lower back when they go into extension so it must be facet and it must be this and what we do for that to fix it mm. is this isn't this it was like a one plus one must equal two yeah and it's not yeah i remember that that's what my first clinic out was like which you know it served its purpose in its time because i learned a lot in such a short period of time about manual therapy mm. but it was very process protocol driven and it's like but there's an individual attached to that 100% that muscle thing and that's huge so just to I guess for any clear up any confusion which I don't think we're going to make it any clearer but what do you find the difference is with osteopathy as opposed to physiotherapy as opposed to chiropractic just for anyone who's still not sure it's a million dollar question isn't it I know right? I think I think it, you can't even I didn't even class myself as an osteopath anymore yeah I think I I did that and I say osteopath because people understand, oh, you must be so experienced and you must be. It's, it's just a suddenly like you get that bit of credibility. credibility. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it d- means nothing. They're like, oh, yeah, but you're an osteopath. They're like, yeah, but what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Like you go into a speech to an osteopath down the road and they don't say the same stuff as me. Yeah. They don't treat the same. Yeah. Um, and same with like you get five physios, five chiropractors and five osteopaths in a room. They're all going to say completely different things. They're all going to treat something yeah. or manage something completely different. Yeah. I think that um, from my understanding, and this is from a very biased perspective because I was, I did not go to uh, a school of chiropractic or physio. So from my understanding, the or what we get taught, the physio world is a lot exercise and a lot muscle um the and that's how they try to manage situations chiropractic they like joints and they like nerves and they like the spine um an osteopath we're looking at things from a whole and we're looking at trends throughout the body yes we'll look at muscles yes we'll look at joints yes we'll look at the spine but you speak to an osteopath and they'll be looking at so many other things, mm. not necessarily just the, just your shoulder pain. Yeah. Or that's not what the founder of osteopathy, Andrew Taylor, still actually suge- suggests. It's looking that structure and function are interrelated, yeah. reciprocally interrelated, never liked that word. Um, then the body is self-healing and self-regulating and you and the body is the mind, body and spirit. And the treatment should incorporate all three principles. Ah. So they're the sort of the the method. Maybe I should have been an osteo. (laughs) But, you know, in saying that, like, I I guess I've over time got my own definition of like what the difference is. And like sometimes there is no difference. Like it's just the practitioner that you get. 
100%. So being a chiro versus a physio versus an osteo, sometimes it doesn't really matter. Like someone's like, oh, no, I'll only see this person or this person. It's the practitioner that you're mm. going to see. Um, because I know like a lot of physios who, yeah, we say exercises, uh, sorry, physios exercise related, but I know a lot of physios who only treat hands-on and I don't necessarily treat that way. Like I love yeah. the exercise way. Sometimes, you know, I say, because I work online now, like I'm always like, you know, if somebody needs manual therapy, I'll go send them and to get that manual therapy, but it's not the long-term solution. It has no. to be integrated with exercise. And, you know, chiropractors get a bad rap because it's like, you know, crack, 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 go on your way. But I know chiropractors who do soft tissue massage, who do exercise, um, exercise yeah. as well. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, there are these labels and these names, but it all comes down to, like, the practitioner that you have. Um, and moving on to that, like, you know, I really believe in exercise and coming from an exercise background and coming from um you know a family where my father had chronic pain chronic back pain well still does um and seeing all the processes of all the practitioners and people that he's seen and knowing that now that it's 20 30 40 i don't even know 50 years later with this chronic back pain it's beyond musculoskeletal now for him Mm. the nervous system has to be involved and we need to look at you know however many years of chronic stress and things that he had with his job and all of that um so yeah I love like that you've sort of said you've included I don't know you know I've only ever seen one osteo who put my dislocated bone back in but um he I don't know whether he treats you know the same as you has that same uh outlook of like exercise but also mind so yeah i absolutely love what you're doing you've created a clinic now where you're able to use your methods in your way um to help treat your clients so i know you know we had this discussion of well what like six 12 months 12 months must have been 12 mm, months ago yeah. now where you were saying that you had trouble transitioning from that label of people thought that when they came to you that you were going to put your hands on them yeah um, and I guess, how did you kind of transition that and sort of step away from that, like, um, idea that people have in their heads that if you go to a practitioner, it's in the practitioner's hand to get you better, whereas actually empowering the client, giving them the tools to help with their own pain is way more empowering for them and is also better long-term. How did you... <clears throat> I think that it was hard. Yeah. It was so hard. And the the clients that I had who truly just believed in that, so do, truly just believed in I fix them, I touch them and magic happens. Um which is just ridiculous. But for some people it encourages a parasympathetic like state and everything like that and that's, that's lovely. Yeah. But that's not that's not really that's not helping you perform. That's not helping you get more from that. So I think that for a lot of the clients that I felt were more likely to be on board and like, I, like I'd like i had clients for five years who I'd seen once a month and they'd done nothing to help themselves. And I felt like I was talking, I was like mm. yeah. talking to a brick wall. It was, it was just hard. Yeah. And I think that these clients, I would speak to them and I think the difference was that they were willing to be educated. 
they're willing to take responsibility and I'm I was known for my tough love a little bit <laughs> and I'd give you a tissue if you cried but like we're not gonna have a cuddle <laughs> yeah so like the clients that needed the really sort of really hands-on approach the really like empathetic and really um I don't know what the word sort of sympathetic maybe is is the, is the better word I'm not that person and those clients that needed that quickly found someone else yeah. and that's great because like we're not going to spend like you're here for help yeah. like I'll let you have your time where you need to sort of decompress so we can talk through things it's absolutely great but yeah. let's actually get something work done and I was starting to transition as soon as I got my osteopath title I quick quickly made myself known that right this is who I am we will do manual therapy, but I then started to integrate more exercise into the session yeah. where they were expecting purely manual therapy. Mm. And I had so much backlash, so much backlash. I had mm. constantly people complaining mm. to the, the owner of the, like it was a multidisciplinary clinic. So we had mm. three or four osteopaths and about 10 sports massage therapists, a nutritionist mm -hmm. and all of this. And it was a very manual therapy focused I want to say machine, and I know that's going to be rude, yeah, well, that's but it exactly was, how, it yeah. felt, that, it's, that's the way it felt like. Yeah, that's how my clinic was. Um, and I, I was grateful for everything. I, I, I learned from them, um, but it wasn't for me. So, and then it quickly worked out that the people that didn't want that didn't come back and see me, probably complained, and I probably had a bit of a cry, but you know. <laughs> Pick yourself up. Yeah, got myself through it, and it was fine. But then the people that didn't want just to be rubbed for an hour would quickly find me yeah. or the, or the clients that were perhaps um, with the other practitioners, they maybe struggled with their accountability or, or anything like that. They would send them to me mm. and they would say it. I really didn't like it. But they'd say they'd send it to me for a bit of a telling off, but it wasn't, <laughs> it was a tough love. I'd be like, well, do you want it? Do you want to be able to perform? Do you want to be able to do this? If you do, then what you've been doing so far hasn't been working. Are you open to having something different? That was it. That was like as rude as perhaps I was. Amazing. But. And also like that's a really good lesson for some of the coaches out there because I guess we get scared of having boundaries with clients, setting expectations with mm, clients. Definitely. And then you have clients that you have, you know, that you may not love and you may not enjoy coaching. And it's scary because sometimes in the PT realm or the coach's realm, it's like, well, like I need to get as many clients as I can and I need to have like, you know, and you do like to make an income. Yeah. But if you're not enjoying what you're doing because of the What's people the that point? you're working with, yeah, you, you need to set those <coughs> expectations and have those boundaries. I think that's how I started. Uh, so I was, when I, um, so I found my premises and I was working in a gym, in a room in a gym, who wasn't really allowing me to, they didn't want me part of their gym and I wanted to be part of it. So it was very much, I was like a room in a gym and that was it, which is like fine, it's their business, do what they want. Got a cat. <laughs> a cat. <laughs> um, and in a, yeah. And in a multidisciplinary clinic. So like when I found this, um, this studio, I started building it and everything was great and um, I was getting myself very interested and very excited about it. However, I was scared. I was terrified that 
I would do this. I would leave the multidisciplinary clinic that it was easy. I didn't enjoy it, but it was easy. I knew that I'd have 40 clients a week, easy, every single week. Yeah. Um, without really having to try. And I could go home and everything like that. And I knew the other place I was easily getting, uh, I was only there for a couple of days. I was easily getting like 10, 20 clients a week and I got a free gym membership for a bit. So it was quite cushy. It was quite easy. So for me to kind of go away from that and then going into something all on my own, that was terrifying. And I felt desperate at the beginning to get clients. Because as soon as I said, oh, I'm building this place, I was kicked out of both. And I was kicked out within... I was meant to have eight weeks notice and I was kicked out in two weeks. So I quick, I didn't have a gym. I didn't have anything built. Mm. I had a bed and that was it. So I quickly had to have a quick turnaround and I was very desperate to get clients. And I, I brought clients on that perhaps weren't right. They weren't right for me. Mm. I still helped them. I still benefited them and I still made a change in their lives, mm. but they weren't my dream clients. Yeah. I saw them on the, on the class. <sighs> it's going to be hard work. And it was hard work, but like now, the difference is is that we have a much uh, longer process for someone to be able to work with me, and I don't work with people I don't want to work with, yeah. which is great. And I love the fact that I can say that, um, because I enjoy going to work every day. It doesn't feel like work. Yes. It feels like I'm going to see my friends, my family, because yeah. it's so intimate. Um, because like everything, we, we have class sizes of up to four people yeah. and everyone knows everyone and they're trying to like organize. You've built a community. Oh, 100%. And it, it baffles me. I'm overwhelmed every time. So as soon as we have like a slight little inconvenience, I've got five of my clients be like, oh, how can I help? How can I help? What can I do? I'm like, it's not your responsibility to help me. I'm here giving you a service. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's it can be quite it's quite easy to fall into the trap of being desperate and then not working with the people that you actually want to work with but by working with those people you end up getting to a point where you spend so much of your mental and physical energy on those people because they're hard they're hard to work with either they don't show up they don't do the work or they test you they try and test your boundaries whatever it is you end up spending more time with those people not the Mm. people that actually trust and value your process yeah 100% and it seems like looking back now you're like oh for goodness sake but I had to go through that to realize who I didn't want to work with 100% like actually like just sitting here I have goosebumps because I remember speaking to you Mm. going through that time and how hard of a time you were having and all the backlash you were getting for doing things your way as well like you know speaking about as an osteo like people wanting to and thinking that you know, they don't have a right to do it. Yeah. And, um, the transformation, I think, you know, I, you know, we've spoken a little bit over the last six months, but the transformation, you did go underground for Mm. a little bit. I do that. Yeah, You went quiet (laughs) and I was like, she's going through something right now. And then you emerged and your message was so clear. Yeah. You had done a lot of work on who your client actually is, what they look like. And your message was so clear and it just felt really aligned. Mm. And, you know, even the stuff on your social media, like you weren't scared. You weren't scared to show who you are as a practitioner and what you do. And as well, like it is quite new working in terms of mindset with clients as a physio, as a osteo, as a coach Mm. even. 
you know, we kind of think that it's not in our scope of practice or but everything is connected. Like no system exists in isolation. You can't treat the muscles without treating the joints, without treating the bones, without treating the nervous, like the person without treating the nervous system. Mm. And so, so much goes into that. And like, I think that it's becoming better known in the industry. Like it is coming out, but it we do have a long way to go. And 100%. As, as coaches, um, you know, and as practitioners as well, I think it's just so important for clients to know this. And also like, you know, as a business owner, what you've done and how you've really gotten clear on your messaging. I think a lot of coaches can learn from that. And it's certainly a process. And it's always evolving. Yes. A hundred percent. I think you're never done. No. You're never done. Never. You like, just got to embrace that process. Yeah. And that's a big thing. You know, I've been speaking to a lot of coaches lately about it as well as it's like your business will always evolve. Like it will always be evolving. Like you think you've smoothed everything mm-hmm. out. Something will come up to push you to the next level though. Yeah. Because I think it does like those hard times in business they push you to the next level like speaking to a few coaches now like it's it's june 2022 mid-year you know um in australia over in australia it's getting into winter you know people are dropping off um um you know getting unmotivated halfway through the year it's cold all that sort of stuff come to the uk then (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean like that's what i did but it's raining today yesterday what do you want 30 degrees yeah i know you had our summer day yesterday i know it is cold in australia at the moment but um yeah like um those quiet times and those they're they're gonna come like i've learned i've learned my lesson over the past two years being you know running my own business that no one wants to buy in in january like you think that january 1st like everyone wants their new year's resolutions Mm -hmm. and do that it's like not until february march that things actually start to ramp up so i'm freaking taking december january off yeah i'm like (laughs) No, I'm not going to market anything, you know, whatever is still happening with my clients. I'm going to focus on them. I'm going to go into a little creative hole probably and like figure out what the next step is to go to the next level Yeah, because you've got to break down to break through kind of thing most of the time. <laughs> It'd be nice if it was just like an easy transition. Oh, that'd be lovely. That's not life. Um, but there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs and only if you're resilient enough are you going to get through and you're going to take it to the next level? 100%. I think the the key to that resiliency is is the community that you surround yourself with. Mm. Like there's been like, <clears throat> and this is partly why I'm actually thankful like of COVID. And as much as people don't, you know, meant to say that. Oh man, it's given me <sighs> so, so many opportunities. Wouldn't, wouldn't we wouldn't have, have met. Yeah. Hundred percent, we wouldn't have met. WP, no, I can't even speak. Blah. AWPT with it is a mouthful. Without COVID, no way. Exactly, it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have gone online. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone online. Realized, huh? I can do this, even though I can't do this in the clinics that I was in. Huh? Mm. How? Like, this is. I'm quite good at this. I enjoy it. And I'm getting more progress with clients. Who would have thought? Like a physio or an osteo could work online like five years ago. Oh, you wouldn't have. Oh, yeah. Because like it was, it was five years ago. I was working in a clinic. I was like, this is burning me out. Like I'm seeing 20 clients a day, like half an hour sessions. Like yeah. everyone's in pain. Everyone's complaining. It drains it's you. It does. Um, and so I was like, how can I have a bit more freedom in this? Yeah. And I was like. And have a more impact. How do you even like 
do physio online but you know I was <clears> always giving my clients exercises to go home with the problem was that they just didn't do them yeah and there's no accountability yeah and so I was like oh, well, like I want to work with coaches because at least they want to do the work because they want to get better yeah uh, but you, yeah you just got to find your people and just get really clear on your messaging. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, I'm so grateful for AWPT in, in that respect because, like, I still talk to most of the girls mm. and I still reach out to them every now and then. I still, like, obsess over them because they're absolutely, all of them are amazing. But, like, all their, all of their fangirls. <laughs> We're all each other's We are. <laughs> we are. But, um, like, as I've never... The UK's not like that. The UK doesn't seem to be like that. Like, I don't have that lovely support network with a lot of UK people. I have, like, my best friend, and we're um, and we're building our own little businesses up together. She's doing in art and everything like that, which is amazing. And I'm doing in health and fitness. And we kind of, like, amazing. we work together in a way, and it works quite nicely. Um, but that's it in the UK. Yeah. Not many people. It seems to always be a competition. Right. And I don't not sure why, whether it's because we're we're so populated or or whatever. Everyone's trying to prove something. Yeah. That's that's one thing coming over here. Like I've been thinking about this like the last. I've only been here a week and a half, two <laughs> weeks, and I've just been like, there are so many people here. Nothing matters. Like trying to impress people, you know, having fancy bags, like expensive shit. Like I'm just like, it, nothing fucking matters. Like. No. Just have a good time. Yeah. Like, stop trying to impress people you don't care about. Like, find your community. Like, you know, I'm so grateful for the community and you girls are all freaking amazing. But also, like, you're doing that with your community as well. And you said, like, it's yeah. like a family. It is. And I really think that, you know, especially for women, that community is so important. Yeah. And even just having that support network. We spoke about this um if anybody's listened to our neuroscience podcast with Michelle, um, this was all on external regulation. It was the last um, call in our neuroscience course. Go back and listen to that um, if you haven't. But it was all about external regulation and how connection helps with bringing the nervous system back into a stable, steady mm. state. You know, if you're hyper aroused or anxious or if you're hypo aroused or depressed like especially for women having that connection can either bring you back down and bring you back up mm. so that you're you're more regulated healthy safe connection and i think that what you're doing um, at unity is so important for your clients progress in terms of their health and their chronic pain and their injuries and things like that 100 percent Especially working with chronic pain, you can quite easily feel alone. 100%. Because no one understands. No one and understands. it's all in your head. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but, like, at least with, with what we have created with Unity is that there might be someone in pain, but there's two, other, two three other people there that are there supporting them. So nice. that are talking through them be like I remember where I when I was with where you are or vice versa be like I can't wait I can't wait to be able to move like you when because there's so many different um levels of someone's ability to perform in the hierarchy and all that lovely stuff but 
you've got you've got people that have a very low training age and are people that have perhaps done crossfit or done like classes and stuff like that they're both in pain mm. but they can both learn from each other mm. and support each other and be each other's hype girl mm. i mean like i do have male clients i've got uh, maybe 15 percent of my clients are male but <laughs> like 15 percent of AWCT <laughs> is male any male coaches listening to this get you're on still that. welcome <laughs> yes please we need more of you <laughs> definitely um <coughs> excuse me but i can't remember what my point was going to be the it's inspired like you have one client that inspires the other right yeah. like that client was once in that other client's shoes perhaps mm. and you know they look up to them and they go oh I wish I could move like you and, th- and that person can go back to them well I was once where you were you can do this yeah that reassurance mm. of that you're not alone yeah your your body moves in a way that can be predictable in certain in certain aspects and can is always workable there's always something that you can do there's always something that can be done like we're not all going to be these high-performing athletes and all of this kind of stuff. No, but that's mm. not what your soul's purpose is. Mm. So until you actually understand what that is, like what you're striving for, you still got you still have clients come through. But like, I want to still be able to do the thing as I used to do when I was 18 and a track athlete and all the thing. And you're like, do though? Yeah. Do you remember how much time you had to give to that? Yeah. Is that your soul's purpose? Like you've got three kids. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, reshaping those thoughts as well. Like, you know, you're 100% correct. Yeah. Like, how do you, I guess, what's the process that you take your clients through? In terms of like start to finish or start to um, continue? Yeah, like the onboarding process where it's like getting really clear on their goals and maybe yeah. reshaping those goals if that isn't necessarily what you think is achievable, let's say. Like going back to being a track athlete. 15 years ago because that's a huge mindset shift as well like massive i get it in terms of um postnatal women who want to have their pre-baby body mm. and it's like you've had a child like you've grown a human life inside of you yeah. that's freaking amazing like things aren't necessarily going to be the same but how grateful are you that you've been able to produce life mm-hmm. and how much do you love the child that you've just given birth to like it was worth it mm. right you know we can we can definitely do things to get things back um you know on track and i have women who have said to me i have three kids and i feel better and stronger than i ever have yeah maybe have a little bit of loose skin maybe my uh you know hips are a little bit wider still and maybe my rib cage is a little bit wider and i don't have you know the waist that i used to but I feel stronger, I feel better, I feel more mm. confident. Um, so yeah, I guess like um, in terms of the mindset of your clients, how do you go through that onboarding process and like get them actually in the mindset of, because also with chronic pain, it's an identity shift. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard and it's, it's constantly, you're constantly working on it with especially with chronic pain because it's it's every day and that this person might have been in pain for like 20 years 20 years or your dad 50 like how do you suddenly change his his approach to things i've given up because i know <laughs> i think as well it's too hard family, it, family yeah. is too hard no, too hard it's too, so close yeah um i'm a lot shorter with family <laughs> uh, yeah you can't treat your family because they don't take you seriously they don't like, they don't Bless them. i love you mom and dad 
Yeah, I love you so much. <laughs> I, I always tell this story, like my best friend's a doctor, like a real doctor. She's an anaesthetist, super smart. And um, I was always telling my dad, I was like, you need to like work on your stress management, like do meditate and like, you know, my view a bit on meditation has changed a little bit because I feel like meditation can be anything that just brings mindfulness and self-awareness. Mm, doesn't 100%. have to be like sitting and like, no, because that can also disrupt some people like and not be calming. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I said, you need to do some more mindfulness uh, and, you know, all the kind of like, I guess, woo woo stuff, you know, back then, like, and he would just dismiss it kind of thing. Cool. And she came over and she was like, have you tried like mindfulness and meditation? And he was like, oh, maybe. And then like, I was like, yeah, well, I've just been telling you that for like five years, but <laughs> just listen Doesn't matter. to her. Yeah, because she, <laughs> she's not your daughter, so you listen to her. Um, sorry, continue. Um, yeah, I think that when someone sort of approaches a conversation with me to, to kind of get started and things, it's, as I said before, it's quite a long process. The, the most recent client that I took on, I spoke to her three months before we actually started because she started talking to me like in like in the UK, we are very grateful for the NHS and everything like that. We get a lot of healthcare for free. Um, so they like no insurance or no nothing like that. So it is just purely for free. You turn up to your doctor, you get a referral and it's lovely. Mm. Um, but and also, it's not. do they value it if it's free? No, yeah. they don't value it. But also it's, it's mainly manual therapy. And that, that works to a degree. To an extent. It works to get someone out of pain, yeah. but not to help them perform. And it's harder with chronic pain, especially with when they need the stress management. They need the other side of things. Mm. Um, when someone kind of... So we spoke on the phone, um, and she, she kind of went through, she discussed everything, and she mentioned that she'd had a referral sent. I was like, okay, great. Go and do that. Go and do it. Make the most of it. And then if you don't feel like you've achieved enough or you, you're happy with the results or you want more, come and talk to me again. Because I'm not wasting mm. your time, your money or my time when you might be doing a bit of both mm. and you need to do something, realize what the reality is mm. and then realize, huh, okay, I might need to do more. Mm. Because I'm l very unlikely to touch you when we're not gonna, I'm not gonna rub you, I'm not gonna give you soft tissue. I have a bed if needed, but it's very rare. Like that comes out maybe once a month. Mm. It's very rare that that comes out. And so she came back to me, she's like, yeah, I'm still in pain. I mean, it helped a little bit. I mean, she was very negative towards her experience with the physio. Mm. And we kind of changed that. And I'm like, well, you were in more in pain and now you're not in pain mm. or you're in less pain. So it has improved. So, oh yeah, I suppose it has. It's like, it hasn't improved enough. Yeah. Or that you're happy with, or you're not able to go cycling. You're not able to go for a run. You're not able to walk for long periods. But mm. you can drive yourself to work. You can last a day at work. You can clean your house. You can do all the things you have to do to be able to survive. But if you want more, that's where I come in to help you. Um, and and we just kind of like, because you can, you can hear it when people are saying, oh, I'm broken because of this or this has happened because of this. I'm like, well, are you? Are you still able to do that? Are you still able to do this? And you end up having to sort of reframe their own sentences yeah. to have those aha moments, but they've got to experience that. They have to experience that aha moment. And 
the, like the process with me is not easy and it's not it's not a one trick it's not a quick fix it's it's a long period of time yeah. and you're likely if you're working with me in person you're likely coming to see me three times a week and spending an hour with me three times a week or an hour in a class three times a week yeah. um when you first start we go through so much like two weeks worth of testing we test so much and we teach like basic movement fundamentals we we teach all of that and you go through like foundations of basically how to behave like an adult <laughs> how why is sleep important how to f- fuel yourself <laughs> how like stress management yeah. basics of emotional eating and like journaling and all of that stuff yeah. breathing the importance of breathing and we do so much like nasal breathing and we do load of breath work to improve mechanics co2 tolerance and improve so much stuff before we're even getting you lifting a barbell. Yeah, amazing. Like I've got clients that have been working with me for a long time and we're still getting into so many things that are more important for that person. Like being able to, <coughs> we've got clients that who, it was more important for them to be able to do some DIY around the house than lift a barbell over the head. I'm like, okay, cool. Mm. That's what we're gonna focus on. We've got clients that who want to be able to lift their kids up Okay, great. Well, they're continuing to like get heavier. They don't just stop. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna keep growing. They, of course. So, at some point, you'll have to stop lifting them. But yeah, <laughs> you'd hope anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I think you end up having to listen, and that's very rare that they've ever had that, yeah. where you actually have that practitioner sat across you and listen and like actively listening to. And questioning, is that true? Mm. Or have you always been told that? Yeah, is it conditioning? Exactly. Is Have you always been told that you have to be a particular size? Have you always been told that you are... Oh, I've got a lady who had cancer and she was always... She was told that um, after the surgery and everything like that, she's in remission and it, she's, she's amazing now, mm. but she was told she'd never be able to lift that arm above her head. She'd never be able to press above her head. So how long, like if you were told that after such a vulnerable state that you'd been in, she's never tried. Mm. Who says? Like who says? Exactly. She's now lifting more on that side than the other side. (laughs) So it's, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But like, so there's so much, that's why words matter and listening matters. And I think that these people are like, we spend two weeks, I spend two weeks getting to know that person so much more intently than the, as you say, the half an hour appointment yeah. than, than you have with that person. And then I'll be like, okay, well, before you'd say, well, I'll see you when I can next see you. Mm. It's not intentional. It's not really understanding that person and that person's life because there's half an hour is not long enough time. I remember doing um, a coaching course before and they're like, oh, you need to do your, you, you need to do your initial uh, consultation. And I took longer because I wanted to ask more questions. I wanted to understand that person. Yeah. And, he, and his feedback was, well, you took too long. Should have been, I can do that in, in and out in 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, are you thorough enough? How do you know anything about that person in 10 minutes? This is like the first time, this is the name, date of birth, all of that sort of thing. I think, yeah. oh, and you can, you think that you'd be able to, proficiently write a program for that person how you don't know anything about them you don't understand their medical history you don't understand their what they do or don't like anything mm. their life I, it, and so I think that like that mindset fo- that mindset shift has to come with 
a safe place, and that safe place is earned. You have to under you have to build that rapport. You have to understand that that person needs to feel safe, secure, seen, and heard, all at the same time. And I think I can. I do think that like doing my dental nursing, I can thank for that because no one wanted to come and see us. No one <laughs> liked coming to see us. <laughs> I have a client who's going to get her like dental work done. She's going to go get like a full set of teeth. She's like, oh my god, it's like my biggest fear. Yeah. Yeah, no. it's the smell it's everything yeah. and like we were taught very quickly how to make sure that person felt safe mm. and supported and if something was going wrong mm. or they felt like they were scared uh, we were the support network mm. I wasn't the one doing the stuff I was the one supporting both parties yeah. the practitioner and the patient yeah that nurse is always like so calming and yeah you, you see the dentist you're like oh my god and then it's like everything's nurse, fine like, everything's okay yeah yeah I mean, who would have thought as practitioners, we'd also have to be psychologists. Oh, I know. <laughs> and as coaches, you guys as well. Like, yeah. You know, you, there is a person attached to the body that you're training. 100%. And there's a nervous system and there's a mind and there's... A soul. A soul and there's uh, behaviours and beliefs and values and emotions and all sorts of things integrated into a network of like uniqueness mm. um and so yeah like you said understanding each and every client is one of the most important things that you can do for them 100 percent, and being able to yeah take that time to really listen yeah. and like there's times when clients will overrun and everything like that as a result but that client might needed it mm. she they might need that they might not have that at home I've got clients who have partners that don't listen to them or don't talk to them or don't ask them questions or, or anything like that. And they might feel alone at the then if they, that you're like their only thing that day, yeah. that needs to be intentional. That needs to be a good experience for them because otherwise, well, one, why would they be coming back? And two, it, it, it adds to, it adds to the entire experience, doesn't it? If someone's not having a good time, when they're coming to see you, mm. how much are they actually going to be putting into what they're doing? Like when we have a bad session, like a bad training, like a, a session in the gym, if you're in like a, you're having a bad day, and too right, some people have, people need to have bad days sometimes. You can't, oh, a good day doesn't exist every day. Yeah. That's not realistic. You have the bad with the good. So, but if you've helped create that bad day for someone, like your session is never as good. So, but if that's their only thing, then how are they ever going to have a good one? Like they need to feel that that safety. And every single person in this world wants to feel loved, seen, and heard. Hundred percent. As simple as that. You need it for survival. Uh, yeah, like and that's that connection. Yeah, like we've, we've, I know, there have been studies that have done not ethical ones where they've taken babies away from their mothers at birth, Gosh. and they haven't survived. Like because they fed them and everything like that. It's just they need that love and support yeah. and. Um, I, I'm thinking of a particular client at the moment, you know her, you went through the mentorship with her, she still works with me and she's having troubles in her relationship. And, you know, I just say to her, like, you know, I can't help mm. with that. Like, that's not my place to say anything, but I can listen to you. And she comes back every time and she's like, that's all I need. Yeah. All I need for you to is um, like, you know, I, she's like, I feel bad for like <laughs> burdening you, you with this. But I'm like, no, I'm, I'm happy to listen if that's what you need and if that's what's going to help. Because she'll stick to her training nutrition, like no problem, like not an issue with that. But it's like, 
the other side, like the other things that are going on in that person's yeah. life that affect other parts of their life as well. So like, you know, we know that emotions can drive chronic pain or they can make chronic pain worse. Um, you know, if, for example, with this one client, like her relationship is stopping her from putting her business out there. Mm. And so it, it all seeps over into different areas of life and, you know, looking at, and that's why, you know, as a coach, like sometimes you're like, oh, you get bored, right? Because what you're not doing there is you're not seeing your client as different to someone else. You're just basically delivering a program mm. to try and drive a certain result and doing the same thing over and over without actually being like, wait, there are some things there are some problems here with this client that I can help them with or um, you know there are other aspects here that are going to help drive their results to get better like you don't it doesn't have to be that that constant wheel just turning mm -hmm. like what new things are presenting themselves what new problems are presenting themselves how can you take what them to the next level like you know it all starts with yourself but how can you you know help take them to the next level which is going to take you to the next level 100% I call this um I was talking to this my friend Amy the other day like level one and level five clients and so I have unity is its own thing and I find that a lot of the clients that come into unity are like level one like they're just kind of getting into this sort of world of living an active life and starting to like look after themselves and I've got clients that started with me there and that are now ready to talk about like inner child stuff, feminine and masculine. They want to talk about all these like much deeper soul work mm. and I'm all for it. I'm like, this is not the place, unity is not the place for that. But like, they've heard me, they've heard me go through this. They've heard me understand it. They've heard me <sighs> hmm, slightly talk about it, but nothing to the point where, where it's, I haven't forced them into any of this. Yeah. This is them being like, oh, this makes sense. You just the sense. Toe in and see. Yeah. Like, us at the gym today, like we were talking yeah, about like, how we are in business. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, what, did, what, what did we say? I think we just brought up human design. This yeah, we yeah, 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 yeah. We were talking, yeah, we are talking about business and like, yeah, human design. Oh yeah, just like, different characters, different characters in business and like how you can't have like, you can't have like, I can't have another me work with me because we were just butt heads because yeah. I'm a manifester yeah. and I want to be the loudest in the room and want to like my way or the highway <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, and manifestors are really great at like starting, starting. Things, having new ideas, but you need people working with you who are generators who can like you know, finish yeah finish and, and carry the job on or keep me back keep me grounded yeah because i will be like oh what about this mm. what about that what about this what about that this is going to be so much better i'll always evolve something and which is probably why i can probably base this on why like i'm not doing what i was doing three years ago i'm doing something completely different mm. makes sense um but yeah, so like Unity is like those level one clients. And then as you, like I've found that as they, not all of them, but some of them are like now level five. They want to talk about that. They, they're asking, can I have some more journal prompts for, for working on this? Can I have some more? And we've got clients that in just general conversations where they've been struggling with their anxiety or where they've been just, they've just been struggling with their, with their day. And, and I'll ask them perhaps some, 
tougher questions of how happy are you to lose control or how happy are you to give that 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 driver to someone else what has what has been happened what has happened in your life if anything that has meant that you feel like you have to be in control mm. and journal on that don't talk to me about that because I'm not your therapist but understand yourself like you can go through this journey if you feel safe to do so mm. like if you don't have a safe household or a safe place to go to and when you're doing this it is not the best thing to do mm. but if you're willing and you're wanting and you feel safe it's your responsibility to if you want to grow as a person and your soul wants to completely feel fulfilled you need to go through that to really understand what it what your soul freaking is yeah <laughs> Um, and that's the like me as a coach I'm developing something as like in uh, now that is the for those level five clients and I'm trying to not step away from unity at all but show a separation because I was finding that I want to do the level five but I can't do that at at level one yeah it's too much you can't force it on them they need to be ready like in and in level in this like my current client base I've probably got 25% 25% of my clients are ready for level five. Yeah. That's not 100%. So I'm not going to change my entire business, yeah. but I'm creating something else to support them yeah. that they're asking for. And as you, we've said, your business evolves. I'm not changing their complete roadmap, yeah. but this is the sort of thing that is going to serve them mm. when they're ready. Yeah. And it's going to serve them more other than just, here's your program. Yeah. There's your squat rack, crack on. Because we had this conversation earlier about, and I guess it's similar to that quote, the teacher arrives when the student is ready because you can't force learning on someone. Like you Mm -mm. can't force someone to level up if they don't want to, if they're stuck in that identity. And I feel like some people are stuck in a certain identity where it's, you know, we could go so deep into this. We (laughs) could. Let's let's do it. Because um, when you're, Get comfy. you know, I spoke about this with as well Taryn, who's doing the current mentorship as well. We spoke on mindset. Again, you can go back and listen to that podcast. But you can change someone's behaviors. You know, like you said, you can give them a program and a squat where I can go like, here you go, like change this behavior. But unless they've changed that identity associated with that behavior, it's not going to be sustainable. Mm -mm. Because like how many times have you, you know, as a coach or maybe your clients, you find this, you know, I'm ready to make a change. Like, okay, I just need to like go to the gym every day and like do the 1200 calories and then I'm going to be, you know, ripped or jacked, whatever you want, like ripped, jacked, you know, whatever they want. Anyway, um... But after three weeks, it's just like, oh, fuck this. Mm. Like, it, you know, it, it can work that way. You can do the behaviors, like build the habits. It's just a lot more difficult if you don't have the identity associated with it. So rather than, you know, an identity of like, oh, but I've always been that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been lazy. I'm a lazy person. Um, that kind of limiting belief, switching that around to like, I'm a person who goes to the gym. I'm a person who takes care of my health. I'm a person, like, this is my identity. So the behaviors associated with that identity need to be in line. So, you know, it's like, I guess a top, you know, top down versus bottom up kind of approach. Um, I don't know where I was going with this, but it was just, you know, in terms of like, you know, this level five client that you're talking about, these level ones, you can't force them to level up. They have to find their own journey and own way. Like you can help 
guide, um, but they need to be open to that. Yeah, they need to invite you into that space. Exactly. Um, And I think the, like, going on from your, (coughs) excuse me, your point just, just a second ago, like we, there's so many clients that sort of come through and they're like, oh, I need to lose or I need to do, I need to do this. And you're mm. like, do you? Do you need? Mm. Why? And it's about asking those questions. Why? And then and think why, like, I was brought up with being told that you need to look like a Victoria's Secret model and you need to marry rich, have their babies and you'll be sorted for life. Jesus. I've done nothing, none of that. <laughs> But that's what you get told. and But also, like, how stressful is that to think that you have to do that? Like, I know. Like, fuck it. Like, I want to be the rich Yeah. Woman. Like... Too right. Yeah. Too right. And you can't trust anyone like, other than yourself we? sometimes in, in that respect. Yeah. If you, like... Yes, you can. But it take You have to earn the right for that. And you have to earn that connection. Yeah. And, and everything like that. And... We've spoken before how we've been hurt in the past and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that does travel with you. Mm. Um, but like, even if someone says, "Oh, I need to lose this much, mu- this much, this much money, this much weight, whatever," for this particular holiday, and you think, "Okay, well, why?" And do you want the life that comes with that? Because if you don't, mm. let's do something else, or let's have a slightly different approach. It's because quite often they don't really realise what comes with that because they're obviously not living it. Mm. And what are the values associated with that as well? Like, mm. you know, is it more important to you to have a regular cycle and be healthy or is it more important to you to be shredded and mm. so, like, I don't know, 15% body fat and lose your cycle? Like, yeah. what's more important? What are your values? Yeah. Or is it more important for you to be shredded and 15% body fat or is it more important for you to have a life and go out with your friends on the weekend and socialize, have, um, you know, uh, take, not take out, but like, you know, eat out and have a few drinks. Yeah. And not feel completely guilty about it for like three days after. Yeah, exactly. Because what are your values? Like what's more important? Because you can't, there are situations where you can't do both, right? Like, no, you, know, you can either have this life or you can have this life. And I think it's hard as well. Like if you look at the the history of teaching in in coaching, personal trainer and all of that kind of stuff, they're always looking for objective data. So like if you're saying, okay, you don't want to have 15% body fat. You want to be able to go out. You want to be able to do this. You want to be able to sleep properly, blah, blah, blah. That's quite often subjective. And so for a untrained client they want to look at numbers because it's easier to understand numbers it's easier to see on a graph it's easier to see that rather than be like oh yeah well i am actually feeling better because it's, n- it's not easily easy mm. to measure mm. we're always looking externally yeah. rather than internally yeah. how are we feeling because we, we're looking at something outside of us to tell us how we feel like with mm. all these tracking things these days like you know, your Apple Watches and, yeah. like, your Aura Rings and, like, not saying that they're bad because it is good to track data in some reasons, but at the same point, awareness. What are you using that information for? Yeah, but bringing that awareness, like, to, you know, your, like, having more introspection. Mm. Like, how do you actually feel, you know? Like, just because the weight on the scale says a certain number does that define your worth or does that define how you feel? Is that going to define, you know, how you feel internally about yourself? Why don't you go like, 
look in the mirror and see how amazing you look rather than focusing on like that scale like mm. yeah that subjectivity coming into play definitely i've had um a client recently who has been struggling with not feeling like she can go out for a meal because she feels like as soon as she goes out for a meal the days after she is ruined that was her words she's ruined so she'll um binge eat for the few days after and she'll feel really sluggish mm. she'll normally get ill afterwards mm. and all of that kind of stuff and recently her weight hasn't changed very much because she she wants to uh, measure mm. and um and so but that hasn't been changing and she's like oh, you can see it you can see that disappointment that shoulder mm. <sighs> like you're a bulldog or something but <laughs> and i'm thinking oh well that was pointless and you think well actually you went out last weekend yeah. and you're back on it you treated it like any other day you didn't starve yourself the day after you told me about how amazing you had how like what an amazing time you had yeah. like that in itself you're going out for walks every day you're trying to be active you're trying to do so much more with your body than lose weight yeah and that and sh but you don't she doesn't always not people just in general not her but people don't always see that because they're always looking for that external like validation of mm. oh okay yeah I've been, I've been a good girl i've been a good boy i've done the thing yeah it's like it's going back to probably school would be like a star b and all that kind of thing isn't it it's rather than you showed up you spoke out you asked if you were stuck with something you asked a question if you didn't understand something well done for saying that you didn't talk in class. Mm. All of that is probably more important in terms of life skills than what grade you got. Mm. I think anyway. And I think social media doesn't help either. Oh, God, no. <laughs> because, you know, you don't see what people are doing behind the scenes to look a no. certain way as well. You see, And as well, I think society conditions us to think that that's how we should look mm -hmm. and that's how we should be. But you have your own values as well. Like you don't know what that person is going through. Yeah. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes in their life for them to be like that. They might be, they might have a disorder. Like they might have a binge eating disorder. They might be anxious all the time. Like they might have high anxiety and that's why they're not eating and they don't have an appetite, which is why they've lost weight or whatever it kind of is. But you know, they may they may be a person that um, is very strict and very rigid and doesn't go out and doesn't have a social life. You know, you don't know. So it's like what, you know, I think what you said before is asking that person why they've been conditioned to think a certain way. Mm. You know, I need to I need to lose weight. Okay, why? Why? What's the real reason mm. underneath, underlying? Because the first three are probably conditioning yeah you, you gotta, yeah exactly you gotta dig deeper 100%. sorry what yeah. your parents said your teachers said then your friends and then how about what your actual opinion is yeah your actual deep soul your soul that's trying to talk but is being outnumbered yeah. it's like the film split isn't it they're always being outnumbered by the the baddies or whatever and yeah just asking like you always are asking like like why and um I lost my train of thought there. But you're always asking them, like, um, what's the deeper reason? Or, like, is that true? That's mm. what I was going to say. Like, is that true? Yeah. For you, you know. Um, 
so yeah amazing chat we could talk about this all day um but i think a big takeaway as well like just going to back to what you were saying about your level ones and your level fives is i do a neuroscience course for my own personal development and it is very slow like it is very like it goes over two years mm-hmm. and it's like first like the first six months is literally just bringing awareness because if you don't have a certain amount of awareness you can't go to the next level and that's like with your level ones it's like they have to be ready mm-hmm. and they have to be ready to like to want to make that change and like it's just bringing that awareness to certain things not trying to change anything yeah like literally the first six months was like we're not trying to change anything here we're just noticing where we are Mm -hmm. and accepting it yeah and yeah and literally just noticing what happens after that yeah so for example like it sounds like it's hard to explain but it's like you notice anxiety what do you notice like you notice, you know, for some people it might be racing heart. For mm-hmm. some people it might be like a heavy chest. For some people it might be, um, I don't know, like what are the signs of anxiety? Like nausea. Yeah. For some people it might. That's be that. what I get. I f- I will feel physically like I'm gonna be sick. Yeah. Whereas my other friend will feel like she's about to cry. Exactly. And this is some of the like the CO two tolerance stuff that I mentioned. That's a lot of the stuff that we do. A lot of the because your your body's your body will bring up a lot of the physical symptoms of anxiety and it when you do the testing i'm like you are you likely whatever you feel for in your anxiety you're likely feeling the test or you can if you do it's safe you are safe everything is okay as soon as you need to stop we can stop but it's in and a lot of the training that we do is with the with the co2 work and the breath work is training someone to manage that process that happens from a physical perspective and understanding that they can get comfortable with it, they can control it and they get better at managing it. So the whole, the more CO2 that we build up in our body, that anxiety inducing sort of symptoms within our body happens. Yeah. It's science. Yeah. But like you can't avoid stress, you can't avoid anxiety in, in the world, but you can improve your body's ability to cope. Yeah. And that's a lot of the breathwork stuff that we do i was gonna i was like do i ask her because i wanted to ask her more about the <laughs> breathwork and the co2 but i was like uh we can get so deep into this but you know when i was on my one year size course before i ever went to my first ever breathwork mm-hmm. she literally said to me just notice what mm. happens just, because sh- fucking shit happens yeah like holy shit and it was like how much can I stay with this? Yeah. How long can I feel safe? Yeah. It was It was literally just, she was literally just like, just because I was freaking out. Like, mm. I was like, I don't know what to expect. She was literally like, just notice what's happening. And fuck, like the tingles, the mm-hmm. cramps, like the discomfort that yeah. you sit in. Um, it's and he- getting comfortable with that uncomfortableness. It's hectic. <laughs> it's hard. But it's so worth it. Yeah. Like, I even, like, the stuff that I'd been, we're, it's actually cold in the water here, for example. And so I've been doing. It's cold in Australia, too. <laughs> how cold, though? Um, oh, maybe, like, 18 degrees. Oh, for goodness sake. 
<laughs> so when I first went in, it was, it, yeah, sure. <laughs> when I first went in, um, I went with my mum and all of her friends. So straight away, there was a few little body image issues that were like getting undressed with a group of people you didn't know. And then, but then you realise you're with your mum and your friends and everything's okay. But you're walking from like your little thing into the water. And it's, I think it was like 14, 14 degrees on my first go. And it is, you're like, <gasps> that whole, that, that, pa- that sense of panic and that thing. Mm. And I, but then I had the, I had a little ego thing of like, well, I'm, I should be good at this. I should be good at this. So I can't show that I'm struggling. So I end up looking away from everyone and then starting to control myself. But you can feel the panic kind of coming into your, into your body. Mm. And like now everything's fine. Like I take my clients, we do little days out and we'll go cold water swimming. Um, but me and my, me, like our whole friends and family, we all go all year round now. So we were going in December. We were going when it was like seven degrees. So, and it was great. And I absolutely loved it. Um, but I can genuinely say since doing that, I can be, I am happier being more uncomfortable. I'm more willing to have the uncomfortable conversations without getting really clammy and like my face going red and all of this mm. kind of stuff. Everything feels easier being uncomfortable. Mm. Like it's still uncomfortable. Still don't want to do it. I'd rather much lovely, be much lovely uh, to just be warm. be warm and everything's great. Yeah. But it's, it's allowed me to control my own body, my own body's responses to external stimulus. You've increased your window of tolerance. Exactly. Yeah. Like we were speaking about before, once you go above a certain level, that's yeah. into hypo arou- arousal, sorry, that's your anxiety and all that thing. Or if you drop below, it's more depressive hypo arousal state. Mm. So you've just increased your tolerance for discomfort. Exactly. Amazing. Yeah. Everyone can learn a lesson. That was <laughs> such a one of our longer podcasts, but so many like just key points in there. So many great takeaways. Um, just I'm so glad I made the trip all the way yeah. over here. <laughs> just for this. for this, right? Well, yeah, no, I much <laughs> prefer these conversations in person, which yeah. is why listeners they might not be as frequent or as yeah. regular as possible because I way prefer having these conversations um in person and i hope you guys love them as well like as much as i love doing them you love listening to them um so just to wrap up jess where can everyone find you look at your work look at what you do yeah so mainly things on instagram my website needs work so the studio is at unity health and performance um unity health performance not and (laughs) But my personal stuff, where you'll look at the level five stuff, is at Coach Jess Roberts. Can't Very simple. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. And thank you so much for having a chat with me today. Thank you. you. made the trip down from Essex to Kent. Yes. Which is about an hour and a half's drive. So, yes. yeah, really appreciate it. Thank Lovely. you for having me. Catch you soon.